We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we and are live. We are once live. Again, once again, it is After Dark. My name is Rob Dosser. I am joined. I am joined today. Today, my co-host, my Carter Elliott. Carter Elliott, Sleepers Media, Sleepers Media, and the host and the host of the Unscripted Podcast. Freshly off, freshly off, wedding as well. That's why his his hair looks so good right now. He can't see because that has weight. He's got that weight down. And Ashton Gibbs, former former university star, star, and a guy who's been on a guy who's been on here like three or four times. And I've enjoyed getting. I've enjoyed getting to know here is Gentlemen, gentlemen, how are we doing? I, I, I guarantee doing? everybody, I, I guarantee on, everybody show right on the show right now is doing better, is doing better than Brad Underwood. Than Brad Underwood. Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm doing, doing all right. Good. I'm doing uh, good. My, uh, my, my team didn't lose this past weekend. I know we'll touch on that a little later. Go green, go white. But uh, I'm doing good. Been a good good day of college hoops. I'm excited to watch the rest of Feast Week. So, no, can't complain. I'm doing well, man. Uh, feeling better than Brad for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the show. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to get into that Michigan Arizona game because we have not talked about that on After Dark yet. We got to talk about Ohio State and Seton Hall, and we definitely need to preview Gonzaga and UCLA, a battle between the top two teams in college basketball coming up tomorrow night at 10 p.m. But before we do any of that, before we talk about any of that, we got to get into this Illinois. Uh, debacle I think debacle is probably the best way to phrase it uh, for the people that did not see that Illinois was up 21 to 4 at one point tonight against Cincinnati and found a way to lose by 16 points tonight Carter give me your takeaways I got a lot to say on this so I'm going to let you guys have the floor first before I go on my little mini rant but I, what, what did you see out of the Illini tonight how concerned are you and in, 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 I mean is this something that can be fixed is, is Illinois broken I mean, I don't want to be that guy that is like, okay, early in the year, hit the panic button. But I mean, I think there's got to be a finger on that panic button, because if I was to roll out a scroll right now of Illinois problems, that thing would stretch from the top of the ceiling all the way down to the floor. I mean, in tonight's game, every single player had issues all the way, starting with Curbelo, all the way to Kofi not being able to operate out of the post. Uh, there's some coaching decisions as well for Brad Underwood that I think are, you know, he's, he just seems kind of out of the loop, the loop a little bit. Um, and tonight was a game that they got out to an early lead and they just absolutely fell apart. And the sign of a good team is that when you're falling apart and things are going right, you can kind of get it together, pull it together and fix things. And that didn't happen tonight. It really spiraled out of control and it led to a 20 point loss. Yeah. Where do you stand on the national? Yeah, well, Carter said it. Uh, basically, they started off strong. I thought 
they got Kofi the ball early on, and he did well in terms of finishing around the basket. And uh, Wes Miller did a good job of uh, just making adjustments. I thought uh, about mid-first half, really making adjustments and really crowding crowding Kofi. And then um, that's going to be one of the biggest points I think that Illinois needs to do is uh, to figure, figure out that Kofi needs to uh, really pass out the double team, and then they got to hit shots. It's going to really come down to Andre Corbello, you know, uh, not turning the ball over, being under control on the perimeter, and then uh, Kofi really passing out double teams. That's going to uh, really determine the season to me. Yeah, three for 22 from three, just like that's not going to get the job done if you're Illinois. You have to be better. And, uh, you know, I think first things first, you have to give credit to Cincinnati for getting this win and you have to give credit for West Miller for the job that he did they were terrific defensively they put in the effort they they caused some of the issues that Illinois had but I do think that it goes beyond simply what Cincinnati did on that end of the floor because first and foremost I think that it has become very simple to defend Illinois uh anytime Kofi gets the ball in the post double he can't he's, he's not reading the defense he doesn't know where to uh, to throw the ball out. He doesn't, he doesn't have a sense of where his outlet is. He doesn't have a sense of where the trap's coming from. So throw bodies at him because you know, when he gets the ball in the post, it's going up. So if you send two, three, four guys at him, don't let him, you, you fight him, you get him out of position. You throw a double team at him when he gets the ball, uh, gets a post touch. That's the way to take him out of the game. And that's exactly what Cincinnati did. And it was effective. The other thing that you do, the whole idea of Illinois being an effective offensive unit is to, uh, is is the idea that you have a guy that's great in ball screens like Andre Corbello, a big fellow like Kofi that is a monster in the paint, monster rolling to the rim, and a bunch of shooters around it. But if you just don't guard Corbello coming off those ball screens and just play drop coverage, don't let Kofi get anything on the roll. Don't let any of the shooters get an inch of space and just say, okay, Andre, you're going to beat us. Go ahead. Let's see what you got. He can't do anything. He's a mess. He turns the ball over. He kicks the ball out of bounds. He, he, he can't finish anything in the lane. You want him shooting threes. He's shooting a whole 9% from three on the season. So I, I, don't, I don't know how this is fixable, Carter. I don't know what you can do to make this better. It just feels like this is something that's full. And, and the worst thing to me, I don't think there's any leadership on that roster. I don't know if they like each other. I think there's a reason why Adam Miller is no longer there. And I think that what we're seeing right now is just how much of an impact I would assume we not only had on that team basketball wise, but the impact that he had in the locker room because he ain't putting up with that bullshit. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. With the, when you have a team with leadership, like I said earlier, when you ha- when that team when Cincinnati goes on a run, that's when you know that for most teams it's the point guard who's the leader brings the team in. They're like, okay, they went on a run. Let's tighten things up. Let's run the show. Let's make it happen. You know, we know how to play basketball. Let's do that. And they don't have that in Curbelo. And like you said, Rob, it is very easy to guard pick and rolls when the point guard's not a threat to shoot. I'm a big man. I love guarding point guards that can't shoot because that means you don't got to hedge hard and show hands. It makes it a lot easier. And because he can't do that, it's a trickle down effect through the team. Um, And, you know, it's. It's a thing where last year Curbelo was showing that he can't shoot and now this year is continuing. I don't really see that, you know, just changing all of a sudden throughout this year that surely he can get in the gym, get some reps up and, you know, maybe fix this jumper. But I don't really see it changing anytime soon. So they're going to have to adjust or it's going to spiral out of control. And I don't really see what the what the fix is for Illinois. Yeah, Ashley, let me ask you this. You've, you've played a lot of basketball and you've played a lot of basketball at high levels. 
when you when there's a disconnect in the locker room, right? Let's just say that there is no leadership on that floor. Like, I, it's hard to know exactly what is happening on that team and in that locker room when you're watching it on TV and just watching them play on the court. But let's just assume that there's no leadership because that's the way that it looks. How can you fix that? How, how do you develop a leader once the season starts? Like, what is is there anything that you can do to kind of build the camaraderie, whatever it is, all those buzzwords, cliche words you want to use for stuff like that? How do you build it? How do you make that better? Uh, it's one of those things where I I personally believe off the court uh, camaraderie um, basically builds on the court uh, chemistry for the most part. So, you know, really getting the guys together, having having player player-driven meetings, um, and then some, somebody's going to have to be uncomfortable at the end of the day. Uh, these guys, I think the, the best teams are player-driven, and usually the, the best leaders aren't afraid to be, you know, to make others uncomfortable for the most part. So uh, somebody like Corbello, Kofi, one of those guys are going to have to just, you know, go out of there, go out on a limb, and, uh, you know, bring the guys together, I think, off the court first and foremost. And then, um, you know, on the court, it'll get it'll get a little easier. But uh, Carbello, I think, first needs to just make better decisions, especially late in games. Um, and even in the start of the game, even though they, they kept going to Kofi, I just thought overall he just just got out of control. And um Brad just I I don't think he has another guard that he can go to besides Corbello I think that's one of the issues too is the death problem the death yeah, problem he he doesn't and and Corbello is he's not I don't think I, I don't think he's ready like he you you can't just say he needs to make better decisions in my mind because that he just he doesn't know what decisions to make like that they I, I don't know if it hasn't been coached to him I don't know if it's something where he just doesn't pick it up and he's not listening it just doesn't feel like he knows what he is supposed to be doing in certain situations. He doesn't know what the right basketball play is. And maybe he can get there. Maybe he's just in a bad run. Maybe he was banged up a little bit in the offseason, needs more reps. Maybe this group is just trying to figure out how to play together. But I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how you how you move forward with this when you're in a situation where it doesn't even seem like they like each other, Carter. Yeah, I think really the first step for Cabello to me is I think he just needs to simplify things. Like the term I like to use is hit singles. You don't always have to hit home runs and triples and things like that. A lot of his mistakes are him just trying to do way too much. And he has some talent on this team. You can throw it into a player like Kofi. You have a player like Frazier, who I would bet money is not going to go 0 for 5 from 3 in another game. He's going to be able to hit shots. So he has some talent around him. There's some shooters around him. He doesn't have to do it all by himself. He needs to let the game come to him a little more, simplify things, and that'll help the team run better. And I think it'll lead to better results because when he simplifies things, I think that'll automatically cut the turnovers down. So, you know, maybe he needs to take a step back. There's a lot of hype coming into this year after his, you know, end of the year last year. A lot's on his shoulders with Io gone. Maybe he just needs to take a deep breath, kind of come back to earth a little bit and just simplify the game of basketball. And I think in, you know, in turn, that'll lead to better play for him. So let me ask both of you guys this. How much has the start to Illinois season changed the way that you kind of view them overall? Are you still looking at them as a team that might be able to compete for uh, maybe not a Big Ten title, but can at least compete at the top of the Big Ten. Is this still a team that you think might have a chance to make it to a second week and make it to a Final Four, Ashton? Why don't you take that one first? I, I don't think they can make it to a Final Four, um, but it is still early. So I'm a big believer in film and just learning from your mistakes, especially 
early on as guys dive into their roles. So as they start hitting shots, Corbello starts making better decisions. Kofi starts to understand where the double teams are coming from. I think they end up learning and then late into the season, going into conference play, um, they start playing better. But, you know, they're in a tough conference overall. Um, I just think I, I just don't think they have enough to really make a make a run like that. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I see them having a I see them being in the top four in their conference. But a final four run is a stretch for me, honestly. Yeah, I think my thoughts have changed on Illinois a little bit. I thought that they would be a team that would challenge for a Big Ten title. Um, now it looks to me more like they'll be they'll be a top four team. I think uh, they can still fix this, but. I don't know if they're going to be like the contend for a Big Ten title team that I thought. I thought they could make a run in March. Uh, and that had a lot to do with Curbelo. Um, And hopefully Curbelo can be the player who kind of takes a step back and is able to, you know, have a little slice of humble pie, realize he's doing too much and, you know, change that up. I don't know. Not all players can do that. Some players have way too – they're way too headstrong to, you know, admit that they're doing too much. So we'll see. But I am, a, I am way more down on Illinois than I was to start the year. Yeah, I, I think I've had my my perspective on them completely altered uh, by yeah. the way that the season has started. I, I just I was expecting Corbello to make the, fr- the the sophomore year leap, right? And he's playing like he's still a freshman. And when you're a sophomore and you're the guy that's being asked to have the ball in your hands and being the guy the, the guy that's going to be asked to make all of these decisions that set everybody else up and make everybody around you better, you you can't play like a freshman when you're a sophomore. You just can't do it. And I think. If, if 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 Illinois fans can take any solace in anything, it's that uh, I think that this has been a wake-up call, right? When you get your ass kicked like they got their ass kicked tonight, that's a wake-up call. Uh, when you have a couple of games where you completely melt down the stretch like they did against Seton Hall, like they did against Cincinnati, and you don't have any answer and any response, that's a wake-up call. And I think a lot of coaches will tell you it's not the worst thing in the world if you know you're good enough to make the tournament to kind of have some of this stuff happen early in the season, right? Because now, I mean, look, Brad Owens is going to say, you guys try it your way. If you're not going to do what I'm going to do, we're going to keep losing games like this. It's going to look bad for everyone. You guys want to go to the NBA? There's no NBA team that's going to draft you when you're playing like that, Andre Corbello. There's no NBA team that's going to draft you when you're playing like that, Coleman Hawkins. There's no NBA team that's going to draft you when you're playing like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so this this could be the kind of thing where it's a wake-up call and – uh, it's something where they can turn their year around and and you got to hope that it is. I mean, they can't really get any worse than they were in the last 30 minutes of this game. So um, they're not the only big 10 team that's struggling. Carter, you kind of teased this a little bit earlier. Uh, you are a Michigan state guy through and through Michigan lost to Arizona this weekend. So I guess we, we can kind of talk about Michigan specifically, but like big picture, the big 10 kind of stinks. And I think the fact that Illinois and Michigan are struggling is uh, really been the highlight of that at this point. Yeah, I mean, because those were the two teams with the most hype coming into the year. Uh, and, I mean, struggle is putting it lightly. Like, you know, we're taking non-conference losses at home with Michigan to Seton Hall. Granted, Seton Hall is a way better team than, you know, you know they were unranked coming into that game, but they're a way better team than that. Uh, and, you know, last night with Michigan, that was that was a, what I like to call a dog walking. That was a they – got, they got their ass whooped. Um you know, the effort was bad. It's one of the first games I've seen in the Juwan era where the effort was in question and it didn't seem like they were given their all. And, you know, like you said, with Illinois, it is, it's gut check time for Michigan too. Like they don't have an identity right now, I don't think. And I thought that identity would be 
throwing it in the Hunter Dickinson and they're kicking it out to 40% shooters. But unfortunately he's kicking it out to Brandon Johns. So they got to figure it out. They got a lot more time. They got a lot of time. It's early, but it's gut check time for the whole big 10 right now. Everyone was talking about them coming into the year. Hasn't started off really well, but like you said, a lot of time to turn it around. It's early. And Ashton, what did you see out of the Wolverines in that game against Arizona? Uh, for the most part, so I I love Hunter Dickinson. Um, I think he's he's actually the the positive piece for this group. I think the biggest issue is turnovers. Um, they really got their guard play and just taking care of the ball. That's going to be huge for them. And then shooting the three, um, they they have to shoot it at a higher clip. And um, you know, just when when you're turning when you're turning the ball over that quickly and that easily. Uh, you're never going to be in a position to win games. So overall, that's going to be a key coming down into conference play. Can they take care of the ball? Can they hit shots at a high clip and uh, give the ball to, you know, Hunter and let him do work around the basket? Yeah, I think that they're just going to run into issues when they go up against some of these long, athletic kind of swarming teams at this point in the season because, you know, I, I, I don't know – um, if Devontae Jones is ready yet to be able to handle this kind of level. I don't, I don't know. I think he'll get there. You know, he was, he's a really, really good point guard. Um, he's not quite doing it well enough at this point. Who's the Diabate is not ready for this level. And he's a freshman. It'll, he'll get there, right? There, it's the, the second week of his college basketball career, essentially. So he'll, he'll have time to get there. There's room to grow there. Same thing with Caleb Houston, right? He's, he's, he's even young for a freshman. So um, I'm not, I'm much more bullish still on Michigan than I am on Illinois, but both of these teams have, have major, major question marks uh, and, and major, I guess, flaws and red flags moving forward. Um, so I, I do think though, we have to give credit where it's due. Arizona whooped their ass, right? Arizona is a team where at least I'm looking at them right now. And I'm like, you know, they might be able to give, uh, give UCLA a run for their money in the PAC 12. I think they're that good actually. I love I love Arizona. You talk about Christian Coloco. You talk about uh, Matherin. You talk about how athletic they are on both ends of the court. I think they can really shoot the ball. But um, with Christian around around the basket, you know, really changing shots, blocking shots. uh, The sky's the limit for their team. And then um, you put a veteran coach like Tommy Lloyd and just implementing his style of play, uh, making good decisions. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for them. And uh, like you said, I think they'll really contend with UCLA for the title. Yeah, I think that Coach Lloyd is doing an unbelievable job. He's right now he's putting on a clinic on how to get the most out of your team. Uh, he's got everyone right now on their team playing at an extremely high level. Uh, like Ashton mentioned, uh, Cloak was playing unbelievable, and you know he's not even. I think he's a guy who's just scratching the surface, but right now he's just getting it done with his length, his effort, his energy. Uh, in a game last night against an uh, All-American in Hunter Dickinson, he absolutely outplayed him, and it wasn't even close. Uh, he played extremely well. Guys like Daylon Terry just bringing at just all types of energy, getting out and running. Uh, the Arizona team was very impressive, uh, and you know they're a team that I think people need to take a, a long look at because they kind of were an afterthought. And then you got a guy like Benedict who can just absolutely fill it up. So. They're a very well coached and well put together team, and it was it was it was a pleasure to watch them play at that level on a big stage last night. The question I I ask about this Arizona team is what don't they have right now? 
they have good point guard pay, play when it comes to um, to Kerr Creasa and uh, I guess Pella Larson coming off the bench as well. They have shooting on the perimeter. They have length and athleticism at multiple different positions. They have a guy in Azula Stabellis that uh, kind of gives you that like stretch for a little bit of lineup versatility. Um, you know, Benedict Matherin can guard different positions. We're going to hear from him, him in a minute. Uh, Dale and Terry is another guy, length, athleticism all over the floor. But it's Coloco's a difference maker, right? When you have that length and you have that athleticism, you can kind of get out and pressure on the perimeter and funnel everybody towards a shot blocker at the rim that's going to put anything through the backboard around him. That is also a guy that could be a lob target uh, at the other end of the court and makes all six of his free throws. Like that dude, he took the leap this year. I don't. I didn't see it coming. I don't know if you – did you guys see it coming from him at all? I didn't see it to, to this level this quick. Um, I didn't see at all, but the way he's able to just change shots around the basket um, and then finish this guy, he he can, he can finish and they have the guards that can get him the ball around the basket. I think that's the difference. And then, like you said, Azulis to, uh, to Billis uh, is, is a big man where he can, he can dribble pass and shoot with the best of them. And I think that's really the difference. They have a ton of guys that can dribble pass and shoot and make good decisions. Um, anytime you have that consistently in a good system, um, you're, you're really the sky's the limit for your team, I think. Yeah. And, and the one other thing that I would say about this is that when you watch them play, those dudes look like they're having fun, right? Those dudes look like they're enjoying it. It looks like they're engaged. I think that they're enjoying the freedom that they're getting in Tommy Lloyd's offense, as opposed to, uh, playing for Sean Miller, who was more like, a little bit of, I don't want to say a micromanager, but he was more detail oriented and more, all right, we're going to run what I want to run and we're going to do it the way that I want to do it, which is fine. He had a lot of success doing it that way. Different coaches coach different ways, but Tommy Lloyd is more kind of like, all right, here's how we're going to do things. But if you see something, go make a play, go have fun. Let, let's make it happen. And um, when you compare those guys, the way that they're playing to the way that the Illinois players are playing tonight, when you compare like what Purdue was doing over the weekend, with what we're seeing out of like a North Carolina, there's a huge difference there. Right, Carter. Right. You, I mean, you're seeing teams, like you said, it looked like they were having fun and it looked like they were playing for each other. Like they were hitting shots. Guys were helping their teammates off the floor. They were getting out and running in transition, dunking the ball. The whole bench was up. Everybody was up. And it's, you know, we talked about the last, we talked about the last two teams in Illinois and um, you know, having in Michigan with the non point guard play, and, you know, you have Arizona who has a stable point guard and it's making everything run better. When you have good decision makers on the floor, you have guys that play hard, you know, it's going to, you know, on most nights, you're going to give yourself a great chance to win. And they have that. So they got the formula going right now and they're looking really good. And with Coloco, it's crazy to see the jump that he took this year, because I literally remember a couple of years ago when he was playing at Sierra Canyon and it looked like he had two left feet and he was struggling to dunk the ball at seven feet tall. So it's, you know, credit to him for putting in the work. It's impressive to see. Uh, I know it always is a good feeling when the, the summer grind results show. So kudos to him on that. He looks really good. Some have called him a young Carter Elliott in his prime. Care to comment? Uh, that probably makes sense because I got one career dunk in my life. So that lines up, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, one of the most improved players on this roster has, is Christian Coloco. But another guy that has really taken a step forward this season is Benedict Matherin, who is, uh, he had some NBA draft buzz coming out of last year. Uh, he opted to return to school. He opted to come back and play for Tommy Lloyd. Um, there's a lot of reasons he did. 
We talked to him uh, about an hour ago, and we're going to run that interview right now. He kind of details why he decided to come back to Arizona. Fresh off of beating Michigan by 18 points last night, we are thrilled to be joined by Benedict Matherin of the Arizona Wildcats. Ben, what's going on, man? Thanks for being here. Congrats on the win last night. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I, I, I think you guys surprised a lot of people with the way that you pr- played last night. I, and I know that you thought you were good coming into the season, but did you realize you were beat the number four team in the country by 18 points good? Did you realize you guys were on that level? Um, to be honest, we, we always thought we, we had we had a good team. Obviously, we have a lot of talent. Uh, we have a good size, good strength, and we always knew that uh, we were pro- probably underappreciated coming into the season, and uh, just had a mentality of coming into the season, uh, shock the world and prove um, people wrong about us. So obviously, you guys had a head coaching change this off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Lloyd came in to the program. He wasn't the guy that re- you re- recruited you. Uh, but you have you, you didn't decide to enter the NBA draft, even though you had a little bit of buzz. Well, well what was that decision process like? And, and what was it about Tommy that, that convinced you to uh, to come back to school? Um, to be honest, I say it was not it was not that hard. Um, you know, I was I was to be honest, I was thinking about going to the NBA or staying another year. I just felt like staying another year would be the best for me. Um, and uh I've watched, you know, a couple of games against Gonzaga last year. I know he was the director of office. So I watched the style of play they were playing. It's pretty similar. And I just I just felt like it was um it really it really completed my game and just it I think I thought it would be a, just a better place for me um to show my talents and uh just to play this style of play and uh just to be just to be in a, in a better environment as I guess. Yeah, so let's talk about that style of play. It seems like you guys have more freedom and you guys are having a lot of fun playing in this more up-tempo system that uh, that Coach Lloyd has put in. Am I am I seeing that right? Is it fun out there? Yeah, it's pretty fun, to be honest. You know, uh, I won't say we, we, we're not really running a lot of plays. We're just playing free and basal freeze, and that's what I like to do because, uh, you know, the next level is all about um, readings and, uh, and uh, like, just – do what you do, do what you do best mm-hmm. and um just play with effort. So I guess it's it's pretty it's pretty fun to play this style of play and uh, uh be out there with my teammates. All right. So talk to me a little bit about Christian Coloco. I think that's what stood out to me more than anything else is this dude went from being a big guy with potential to being a big guy that is producing. And he did it against a guy that a lot of people had as a first team all American in Hunter Dickinson. Um Christian Coloco is unbelievable. You know, um, the work the work he's done this summer has just crazy i've seen the difference um he's putting a lot of a lot of weight a lot of weight muscles uh it's just it's unbelievable i have no words for him it's just crazy like he went from there he went from there to there in a short amount a short amount of time and i told him every day like you know his freshman year was not playing a lot last year was kind of hard but this year like just felt like he's really like exploding and proving what what really is about you know I'm I always tell him he's him he is the one like you know seven one bucks he plays defense and offense both ways of the floor, uh both ends of the floor so I just it's just unbelievable to see him um do well and and hopefully we we can um I mean he can't do he can't keep going this way mm-hmm. all right I'll uh I'll let you up the hook with this one what is the ceiling for this Arizona basketball team um championship 
I'll say, you know, we have a great team, like I said previously, and uh, we're pretty confident about trusting each other and sacrificing for the team. You know, we've had uh, we got some seniors who left their school to come here, and they have a role of, like, you know, pushing the team up and a, a leadership, uh, le- leadership-wise, you know, just a bigger role. And uh, we've had we have a we have a good amount of players who are, who are um, willing to sacrifice themselves for the team. You know, just in order for us, I think I think we're gonna be able to <clears throat> we're gonna be able to win the championship this year. Yeah, I, I think you guys can make a run as well. Um, it was a lot of fun watching you guys play, getting to know uh, your your team a little bit last night. So Ben, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for being here, and best of yep. luck this season. I appreciate you. Thank you. That was Benedict Matherin. Uh, he's a lot of fun to talk to. Um, good personality and, and a hell of a player, man. I, Ashton, do you think um, you think he's got a chance to stick in the league, hang around for a while? I, I think so. Uh, he's a strong athletic guard. He can shoot it. makes good decisions. He can put it on the floor as well. Um, I think his potential, even defensively, at the NBA level is, is, is high. So I think, yeah, the sky's the limit for him, man. Um, individually, he can, he can do a number of things. He can score all three levels also. So uh, he could definitely be an NBA player to me. Yeah. So I, go ahead. Or, sorry. No, know. no. I just had to echo the three level score thing for him. I think that's the most impressive part about him because he's able to knock down that three, but also he has the mid range game and he can get to the cup and finish. And I think he's one of those guys who, you know, he's, Carrying that momentum off the under-19 Feebles this summer, I think him, Zach Eady, Jaden Ivey, those guys, they've used the big summer that they have with those U-19 teams uh, to really, you know, up their level and, and, you know, improve their game as well. So, it's you know, after seeing what he's doing this summer, I'm not surprised, but he's a three-level scorer. So, he's, I mean, when you can score at all three levels, I think you're always going to have a shot to be a pro. So, let me ask you guys this before we move on to the next topic. Is it crazy to say that I think Arizona can get to a Final Four this year? Not at all. Not at all. I, I honestly think um, they can get there. I, I really do. And I think it starts with Tommy Lloyd um, and his pedigree, just being with Gonzaga and just uh, just being a veteran coach overall. And then they have they have the tools when you talk about Coloco and then uh, Benedict being, you know, a star power. Um, so from top to bottom, they're there and then coaching pedigree right there. So um, it's it's really going to come down to health. If they stay healthy, they can make a run. Um, and then it comes down to luck as well. Yeah, I think they can make a run because I see a team like we already said, you know, don't want to sound like a broken record, but high energy. They have an identity. Uh, I think every player on that team knows their role, executes their role and are happy to see the other person doing well in their role. And then you have, like we already said, a great coach in Tommy Lloyd. I mean, that's a recipe for success right there. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they get hot at the right time and make that run. All right, so let's talk about the Big Ten kind of as a whole. It's not been a great start to the season. Um, Outside of Purdue, who might be the best team in college basketball, uh, Michigan isn't all that good. Ohio State hasn't been as good as we expected, although they did get a nice win against Seton Hall tonight that we need to discuss in a minute. Um, Illinois, obviously, has not been that great. Carter, your boys, Michigan State, have kind of been up and down a little bit. I'm not totally convinced on them. Rutgers just lost at home to Lafayette. 
Uh, Indiana has been like fine, I guess, but they haven't really been tested at all. Maryland lost at home to a George Mason team that turned around and lost to James Madison the next night. So uh, how, how worried are you about this league overall, Carter? I know you're a big 10 guy. So how worried are you about this conference? I'm pretty worried because I think like everything that people talked about in the summer, basically guys getting better guys making jumps. It seems that collectively no one's making that jump. Um, you know, with the Rutgers team, we saw, we expected a jump from players like Cliff and we expected a healthy Ron Harper Jr. to come back and he hasn't been able to find his flow. Players like Geo Baker haven't been able to find their flow. It just seems that the Big Ten is a league that a lot of teams are having a crisis right now, whether it be with the personnel or identity of their team. So uh, it's it's definitely, I don't think it's something that's a one-off thing or it's just like something that's happened earlier in the year. I think it actually might be an issue where people have to take a step back and look at the Big Ten and maybe pump the brakes a little bit uh, and, you know, come to the grips with the fact that some of these players and these teams aren't making the jumps that we thought they would make this summer. Except for Jaden Ivey. Except for Jaden Ivey. Except for Jaden Ivey <laughs> and Marcus Bingham, okay? I need to make that be known. Senior year Marcus Bingham is a force. Yeah. Oh, okay. You gotta get that in there. Have Carter Elliott out there, then <laughs> chill out. No, I, I, I do think it's something that's going to be worrisome, though, because the whole idea of the Big Ten being the best league in college basketball is that you had all of these like really good teams, kind of in the middle to the bottom of the conference, and what that did was it lifted, like it made all your computer numbers look better. When everybody is in the top 100 in that conference, then every time that you play someone in league play, it's going to boost those computer numbers up and rising tides lift all ships. And all of a sudden you have 11 teams ranked in the top 40 in the net and everyone's talking about how this is a great conference, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to get that this year because they have not been very good in in non-conference play. And I I think, I do think Ashton is good that this ACC big 10 challenge, getting a bunch of wins in this is going to really matter for the big 10 and determining just how many bids that they're going to end up getting to the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, they got to start getting some wins. They got to have someone other than Purdue look good at some point this season. You think, right? Oh, for sure. I think that Rutgers loss is that's a big loss for the conference as well. Um, Maryland uh, losing to George Mason also, believe it or not, I still don't think it's, it's just a little early for me. I'm just one of those guys where, um, I try not to press on the button too early just because, especially this year with so many transfers and guys just trying to fit into new roles, uh, for the most part, I, I try to give, you know, teams time. I think right around the conference play is when everybody is really going to, you know, find their roles individually, coaches and know who they're playing, uh, what players are playing. And um, I'm just big on identity and roles. So uh, I, I think it's a little early, but at the same time, they do they do need some more wins as a conference, uh, and this ACC Big Ten Challenge would be big. So you talk a little bit about identity, and you talk a little bit about roles, and I do think that there is one team that kind of may have found a little bit of that tonight, and that's Ohio State. Uh, they knocked off a, a good Seton Hall team um, who was missing Miles Kale for most of the second half, who did miss a couple of open threes, but look, E.J. Liddell played great. Justin Irons uh, finally started making some shots. And Michi Johnson came up and hit the game-winning three with 1.9 seconds left. And what was something of a broken play. So, uh, Carter, talk to me a little bit about Ohio State's performance and talk to me a little bit about uh, whether or not you are kind of are – you, are you back on this Ohio State bandwagon? 
Yeah, I am. Uh, unfortunately, I have not been able to leave the Ohio State bandwagon because I made a take to start the year that EJ Liddell would win Big Ten Player of the Year. So I will be firmly on the Ohio State wagon for the whole year. And I think one of the most impressive parts about EJ's game tonight is that he was getting to the free throw line. He shot 10 free throws tonight. So you don't see a player that though can hit outside shots and though can hit that three just settling. He knows he's a force, even though he's only six seven, has extremely long arms, extremely st- strong, stout body. So he's able to get there and punish people inside. So, you know, I like the makeup of this team. He's got shooters with Aaron's out there. And then they're actually getting a lot more from Michi Johnson than I thought they would, which is he's been a surprise for me this year. So I like the makeup of this team. Uh, they know that EJ Liddell's the guy and they're going to go through him and they're going to go as he goes. So this was a really big win to bounce back off that Xavier loss. Uh, There's a lot of people talking about that loss. So they needed this game against a really good Seton Hall team. So it was a really good win for them. Yeah, Ashton, the thing that concerns me about them is it, it feels like they're trying to play point guard by committee, right? Like they don't have that guy. They have a bunch of guys that are fine, I guess. Like Michi Johnson's good. Jimmy Sotos isn't bad. Um, Jamari Wheeler, the, the, the Penn State transfer, like he's fine. He's a really good defender. Doesn't make horrible decisions. Probably won't lose you games. Uh, but it, I don't know if they have a guy. I do think to a point, when you have multiple, it, it's the same thing as, as when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback, right? When you have multiple point guards, maybe you don't actually have a point guard. Is that my right to be concerned about that? Oh, for sure. That's actually, that was my biggest concern with Ohio State coming into the year was guard play and uh, late shot clock, uh, who will create for others, especially if EJ Liddell doesn't have it going. Um, I think today um, the difference was um, just shooting a three. They, they were 11, 11 for 22 from three point from the three point line. So if they can make shots from the three point line, that obviously opens things up for EJ down low and he can really uh, impact the game around the basket. But uh, I think especially as you get in the conference play NCAA tournament play, uh, you got to have guards that can create shots, late shot clock that could just make plays not only for themselves, but for others just to make things easier on everybody. So that's going to be, uh, a big vocal point for them. I, I thought Malachi Branham was going to be that guy after seeing what he did in the first game. Uh, they kept going to him down the stretch over and over and over again in the game against Akron. And he's kind of fallen off a little bit. And I do think it's worth pointing out uh, Justice Suing is is not back yet. Um, I don't know. Do, do we know how long he's going to be out for? All I saw was like out indefinitely. Yeah, I haven't seen anything on an actual timetable on it. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's not really a point guard either, but he's another guy that can kind of make plays. And if you kind of, you know, you put three big wings out there that can all kind of do that job. Uh, it takes a little bit of pressure off of the point guard. Um, Carter, I do have a question for you though. Did you realize Joey Brunk was still playing college basketball? I actually did not until I was looking at this box score and I literally saw his last name. <laughs> to be honest with you, I did not know. It's crazy. Chris Holtman is in his fifth season at Ohio State. Right. His mm-hmm. last year at Butler was 2016 to 2017. He's in his fifth year at Ohio at, uh, at Ohio State. Joey Brunk played for Chris Holtman at Butler. That's how old he is. He played for Chris Holtman at Butler. That's crazy. I, I, I don't blame him. I mean, y'all went to college. I won't be trying to leave college neither. <laughs> Play as long as you can, Brunk. I appreciate it. I see the vision. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Seton Hall, you guys worried about them at all? I, I love Seton Hall, honestly, from top to bottom. Um, the the best part I think about Seton Hall is they 
they still haven't got gotten anything from Kadari Richmond. And he's one of those guys who's supposed to be an NBA talent um, who still hasn't come into his own and found his role with that, with that group yet. But Jared Roden, Bryce Aiken had a really good game today. Um, you know, big men underneath the basket, I, I think top to bottom. And then Kevin Willard, um, just being a coach that likes that fast paced style. He gets his guys to play really hard, uh, tough, tough, gritty group. Um, I, I think they're going to be a top three, top four team in the Big East, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and this performance didn't change my opinion of them uh, one bit. They missed probably, we were talking about it off air, probably three or four threes that were wide open in the final eight minutes that felt like, you know, if those go down, that that's a, that's momentum. It's one of those ones where you, where you watch the shot go up and you're like, Oh, that's a big shot. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to, how you would define that, but there were like three or four wide open threes. Like that's a big one. And they missed it. And I do think that eventually those shots are going to end up going down when you get wide open threes. They're not going to shoot five for 23 every single night. To me, this was a game between two top 20 ish kind of teams. And so, I mean, someone had to lose. So, uh, it was a fun game, though. It was a great game, and and uh, it's kind of what you look for in feast week, right, Carter? Yeah, like I feel, I feel like it, I feel like Kevin Willard just went to the locker room. He's like, you know what, guys? Like I can't really just be mad at y'all, or you know, there's nothing I can really point to. It's not like a an effort thing. It's just you know, some nights just shots really don't fall. That's the game of basketball. Um, I would bet money that those shots are going to fall, and the whole team is going to shoot a collective five for twenty three from three. Like that's just. That's just one of those nights. Uh, and they were still in the game, even shooting that bad. So credit to them. Seton Hall still a really good team. Uh, it definitely doesn't change my perspective on them at all. Uh, my one concern is Miles Kale went out with, I, I, they called it a lower leg injury or a lower body injury. But when he went down, he was grabbing his groin. And I'm guessing that it would probably pulled a groin or something like that. It's total speculation just based off of what I saw. But uh, how, how concerned are you about that, Ashley? Um, that's a big loss. I, I really do. I, I believe that from the defensive end and just the leadership standpoint with him being one of the veteran guys and just bringing that veteran leadership. Um, but they still have enough firepower. Kadari Richmond, like I said, Jared Roden, Bryce Aiken um, is, you know, at, at the helm. And then Kevin Willard as their head coach. I, I think they can really make a run not only in conference play, but in the NCAA tournament when it's all said and done. But Miles Kale, uh, hopefully he can come back. He's definitely a, a key piece that they need. Yeah, for sure. Um, he just gives them more length and athleticism and switchability and shot making and force. And all those buzz, buzzwords, right? All the cliche things that we talk about in modern basketball he, uh, he brings. You guys want to talk UCLA, Gonzaga? Let's get to that, man. Sure. It's uh, uh, First and foremost, I want to know where both you guys were at that game last season right where were you watching it and what was your reaction when Jalen Suggs hit that that half court buzz reader Carter you go first my reaction was I was pissed because I lost a bet because I thought Gonzaga was going to win by 10 plus points I thought they were going to run UCLA out of the gym so I lost a bet so I was pissed but man that game was an all-timer you know iconic shot by Jalen Suggs great game by Jalen Suggs Uh, I'm glad they're running it back this early in the year I'm excited to watch it but yeah that game was a Instant classic. I was actually in my living room just watching it. I didn't know he was a gamer to that level. Um, obviously, everybody was, you know, you know, a big Jalen Suggs fan. But that really, really made me a believer after that one. Um, just him being that clutch. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one, though. This is going to be a really good one. Star power, 
Uh, when we talk about Chet Holmgren and, and Drew Timmy and then Johnny Juzang, I think it's this is going to be must-watch TV for sure. Must see. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. So let's 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 talk a little bit about it. Um, where where do you see the key to this matchup being? Like who who are you who are you most look for, looking forward to see? What matchup are you looking forward to see? Is it Drew Timmy going up against Miles Johnson? Is it I guess Johnny Juzang? They're probably going to put him on on Chet Holmgren. Ashley, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I'm actually looking forward to the point guard matchup. Um, Andrew Nimhart and Tiger Campbell. Um, who who runs their team the best? Who can control the pace? Who uh, what team takes good shots? And then you talk about the front court as well. Drew Timmy, um, Chet Holmgren, but Miles Johnson is a key piece that can really help UCLA. So he he's a huge transfer that I think can change. He he can obviously change shots around the basket, but he can finish as well. So uh, I want to see if he uh, you know is, is disruptive and. Um, just making it tough for Drew Timmy in general. Carter, yeah, I think I think Miles Johnson is the key piece for me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think he's a key piece for me. Uh, I Up until this point of the year, I don't think he's played or showed to the level that I think he showed at Rutgers. Um, and, you know, what better to show it in a game playing against a front court with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do play him and who he's going to match up with because, I mean, if Miles is on, let's say Chet, I mean, who's going to be guarding Timmy? I don't think that a Johnny Juzang, or I don't honestly, I don't even think a Hamid Hakez could guard play like that. I think you have to put Miles Johnson on Timmy. Okay, so who are you putting on Chet then? Juzang. All right, that's food. <laughs> that, no, no, I, that is that I, is I'm food. Not, that means we're going to get a uh, Jaime Hakez. Put Jaime Hakez on uh, on Chet Holmgren. I think it's what you have to do. That might be food too. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> You have to put a the the bigger, more physical guy on Drew Timmy because I think the way that you you beat him and you that you kind of take Timmy out of the game is to try to push him out of the lane a little bit, right? So instead mm-hmm. of when he gets his little duckins uh five, six feet away from the rim, you want that to be 10, 12, 14 feet away from the rim. Uh, I think you want the size and length and athleticism that can kind of challenge him a little bit more through I you're not gonna stop him, right? He's still gonna get his 20, but if you make him get 20 on nine for 20 shooting as opposed to getting 30 on like 11 for 15. I think that changes the chance, the the perspective of being able to, to win this game. And I think Miles Johnson can do that. If you put Johnny Juzang or Jaime Hawkins or Cody Riley or any of these other dudes on, on Timmy, like he's going to get 35 on them. Yeah. I, I don't see Yeah, like they're, yeah they're not going to have a chance. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm very interested to also see what UCLA's approach is just overall to this game, because up until this point, we've seen the Gonzaga team, though they only had one game against really good competition in Texas. You saw a team that has weapons. I mean, weapons off the bench, they have weapons on the floor on any night. It could be anybody going off, uh, you know, lost in the shuffles. They get a transfer from Sierra Bolton, who's been really, really good up to this point. And then you have the steady point guard in Nebhard, who you know, can run the team, not make mistakes. Um, I'm very interested to see that matchup with Tiger as well. Tiger didn't have the best game tonight, had an off game against Bellarmine. Um, but as a point guard of the team, you're the head of the, you know, you're the head of the animal, the head of whatever is going on. So, you know, it's I'm very interested to see how UCLA is going to approach this game. And if they do approach it well, it might be something that other teams might use in their approach against Gonzaga moving forward this year. Yeah. So, Ashton, if you are – Nick Cronin, how are you? How are you heading into this game? Um, I I think you you stay with your identity if you're Mick Cronin and UCLA. You're just tough, hard nosed, gritty. Uh, 
Um, you know, you got to be physical with Drew Timmy. You got to be physical, especially with Chet. Um, you got to really, you know, be physical even with Andrew Nimhart as well. So um, you stick with you, you stick with what you know. And I think them being a hard nosed uh, defensive minded team um, and then on offense, uh, just making good plays and uh, making good decisions. I think got to really take good shots um, against Gonzaga. Um, and, you know, every possession matters. So offensively, you know, got to make sure they put Drew Timmy in, in, in a lot of pick and rolls, I would. And then um, just try to slow the game down. I think overall Mick Cronin is going to have a good game plan, but stick with your guns and, um, you know, gritty, hard-nosed, tough defense, make good decisions on offense. Yeah, I, I do think that that's going to end up being the key is putting Drew Timmy into a lot of ball screens and seeing how Gonzaga is going to end up um, going to end up defending that, right? Because I don't, you can't hide Chet anywhere. Um, I don't think that you could put Timmy on on Hakez. I don't think that you can match him up with any of the three wings that they have, whether it's Jules Bernard, Johnny Juzang, Peyton Watson, whoever it ends up being, because I don't think he can guard on the perimeter like that. I think Chet can, uh, but I don't, I'll be very interested to see how they end up matching up with that. And again, I think the finding a way to, to take advantage of Drew Timmy in those ball screen actions, I think is going to end up being a key uh, to this team. Cause I mean, if you go back and look at what they did against Villanova, they just ran ball screens after ball screens after ball screens until they got um, Eric Dixon on an Island. And they would just say, all right, Juzang, you go make a play. Uh, Hawkins, you go make a play. Jules Bernard, you go try to beat him one-on-one. Tiger, you go try to beat him one-on-one. That, that was the, it was a very like NBA approach to breaking it down. So I think they're going to try to do the same thing with Timmy on, uh, on tomorrow. I'd be shocked if they did. So uh, Carter, I know you're a gambling guy uh, over our partners over at bet rivers have it right now. The line just opened. Gonzaga is laying five and a half. What do you like there? Five and a half. I think bet rivers wants me to win some money. I'm playing. I'm, I'm taking that. I'm taking Gonzaga five and a half because you made a good point about the whole Eric Dixon thing switching on. I mean, that was a great game plan, but also you want to know what's not behind Eric Dixon when they're going to play is a Chet Holmgren. All right. So Chet Holmgren is going to be protecting the rim and I need a coming out party from Chet. He hasn't had one yet. He's had a couple of good games against some teams that, you know, is not up to the level of, you know, what they're going to usually play. So I think on a big stage, a Chet Holmgren coming out party, it's about time. He's due for one. He's the number one pick. Over your guy, Dowser, let that be known. He is the number one pick next year. So I think it's time for him to put on a show. Okay. Um, I do. Here's my question with that, right? So if you have, if you have Chet Holmgren protecting the rim, who's matching up with the guys on the perimeter, right? Because the whole idea is you have, you, you have Drew Timmy guarding, like I'm assuming Miles Johnson. You use him in ball screens to kind of get that switch. So you're going to have, the, the smaller player getting switched on to Miles Johnson, right? Which in mm. theory would mean Chet Holmgren is guarding one of the, the, the wings, right? Mm-hmm. Probably Jaime Hawkins is my guess. So if he's helping out at the rim, that means that Jaime Hawkins is going to be wide open, right? Like that's, that's, where the, that's where the rotation is going to get created. You drive, draw the help, kick, swing, swing, open three kind of a deal. Right, Ashton? Yeah, for sure. And that's where, you know, uh, coaches will have to adjust overall based upon if you switch or whether you're, you know, hedging, showing and getting back to your guy. Um, overall, like, I think those wings are going to be important as well. Johnny Juzang, 
Um, if they're hitting shots, it's going to come down to who's hitting shots. I think we we saw that today with Seton Hall. Um, if they make a couple open shots, you know, you make a couple adjustments and that changes the whole spectrum of the game. So, um, you know, whoever is shooting the ball consistently, I think is obviously going to win the game. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where UCLA's entire offense is basically like, okay, uh, let's go one-on-one and we're going to make enough tough shots to win a basketball game. That's kind of what they do. Uh, it's uh, Johnny Juzang and his mid-range jumpers. Um, I just, I think five and a half is too many points in this spot. Um, I, I, I don't think that the line should be there. Um, I would probably take Gonzaga if it was down to like two and a half. But at five and a half points, you cannot convince me that this is not going to end up being a one possession game down the stretch. There's just no way that it's not going to end up being a close game down the stretch. So I think five and a half is way too many points to to be giving a UCLA team that that, that they've kind of embraced this McCrone identity, right? They're never going to be the greatest defensive team. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to be the greatest rebounding team, but it, it, it seems like they have that level of toughness that you expect out of a McCrone team, right? Yeah, definitely. And also, if they do cover, uh, we should make a little bet that you can't call me Robbie Hummel anymore. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> no, uh, but I, honestly, back to this, I would throw Chet on like a Jules Bernard, maybe. I mean, I think you could help. I think Jules Bernard is a I wouldn't call him a knockdown shooter. If I'm helping off one guy on the floor, he's not Tiger Campbell. I think Jules Bernard will be the guy I help off of. Um, and I think that, you know, this, this Gonzaga team to me is just elite. I would even think they're, I'd say they're better than last year's team, to be honest. Uh, you know, yeah, I think from top to bottom, uh, they are better than last year. I mean, they're bringing guys like Nolan Hickman off the bench. Um, and, you know, Anton Watson's a guy who I don't think gets a lot of credit, but he does all the little things. Um, and, you know, they're very well put together as a, as a unit. So I think that, I think that Gonzaga is really going to assert their dominance in this game. I mean, they already did earlier in the year against Texas, but I think that in this game, they can do the same. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know. I'm going to be very interested to see how this plays out because I I do think there are times where um, they've been better when Anton Watson was on the floor as opposed to Chet. So uh, that's going to be something that's fascinating to me to see how that plays out in another game where you're going to have a team that kind of tries to space the floor. So what happens when you have two guys that are essentially going to have to defend fives? Um, l- let me ask you this, Ashton. Are these the two best teams in college basketball? They're ranked one and two. Are they the two best teams in college basketball right now? Uh, I, I would say so. Um, definitely top five for sure. Like they're, they're ranking, I would say, two of the best teams for sure. Only because they've been here before. When you talk about veteran leadership, um, both teams have star power. We talk about Drew Zhang and Drew, Drew Timmy. Um, and then point point guards. Uh, I'm, I'm a guard guy. So both teams have guards that can make plays not only for themselves, but for others late in the shot clock. They can control the pace of the game. Um, Big time coaches that uh, can make adjustments as well. So uh, two of the top teams. It's it's gonna be a good game, man. I'm really I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I I think that my top two teams. I think I I wouldn't argue having UCLA the top two teams, but I think I would have Purdue slide in as a top as a top as a number two team in the country. Uh, you know, they're I think they're playing extremely well right now. Trayvon Williams is my absolute favorite basketball player, college <laughs> my favorite college basketball player in the country. Easily. Uh, I think he's doing a great job of accepting his role this year. Guys like Zach Eady are playing extremely well. Jay Nivey is 
a show every time you watch them. Stefanovic is a knockdown shooter, and they're getting really good play out of guys like Caleb first as well, and also their point guards and Thompson and Eric Hunter coming off the bench. So, And then Matt Painter, got to love that dude, great coach. So I think I would slide Purdue as the number two team in the country for me, but UCLA is in the running. So I, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think Purdue might be the best team in the country. Go through the matchups of them with Gonzaga, right? Where where does where is Gonzaga going to win, right? Where Gonzaga is a team built through playing through the post. What's true Timmy going to do against a guy like Zach Eaton? Is he going to be able to be effective down there? Are, are you are you sure that their guards are going to be better than Purdue's guards? Uh, I, I'm not. I think it's close, but I, <laughs> Purdue might be the best team in college basketball right now. Like, I, like is that a hot take? I, I don't think it's a hot take. Um, I think they can improve a little bit defensively. <clears throat> they they do give up a lot of points. I think they are good defensively, but they could be a little bit better. But, I mean, to all the points you just made, I think they have top to bottom a really, really good team. So I don't even think that's a hot take. I'm, I'm not mad at that take at all. Where, where do you stand on that, Ashton, on Purdue? How much did you see of them this weekend? Uh, I didn't see too much of them, but for the most part, I love Jaden Ivey, man. Um, anybody that he, he can create – create his own shot, make shots at a high clip. And Matt Painter, one of the best coaches in America, one of the most underrated, I think, honestly, uh, coaches in America. So um, they're proven. Um, they've, they have they have star power. That's what I'm into. And then uh, with Jaden Ivey, man, they, they can make a, they can make a big, big run in the NCAA tournament because he can go off any day, any time. I mean, he's just, he's a difference maker. Uh, that, to me, I think the issue that we're seeing with Villanova right now is that they don't have that guy that you could just give the ball to and know something great is going to happen on that possession, right? Colin Gillespie, for all of the things that he does well, when you need a bucket, he's not a guy that you could just give him the ball and have him go make a play. Jaden Ivey can do that. So in addition to everything they can get out of what they run and, uh, and, and their offense and their stuff and uh, Matt Painter being able to scheme and use counters to create open shots. And, and all of the stuff that he does from the X's and O's perspective, if that all breaks down, you can just give the ball to Jaden Ivey and let him go make a play. I think UCLA has guys like that. I think that Gonzaga has guys like that. Villanova is the team that does not have guys like that. So um, let me ask you this, Carter. Who give me your give me your top tier? Like who is in that top tier of teams for you this season? Okay. I think <clears throat> I'll go with Gonzaga. I think it's Gonzaga, UCLA, and I think it's Gonzaga, UCLA, and Purdue for me. Um, I might be blanking on one right now, but I think that's a, those are the top tier teams for me right now. Uh, like you said with Villanova, uh, Colin Gillespie I think is a good, solid point guard. Um, don't think he's that guy. Uh, hold on, hold on. Be honest. You, you don't have to hold back here. This is the field of sixty-eight after dark. <laughs> I'm just saying the streets told me that Colin Gillespie was that guy. He told me there was a first team All-American. And I just see a guy that goes Casper the friendly ghost mode down the stretch and just leans on Kelly Slater and Justin Moore. I don't know. I've seen what I've seen. If you want to tell me otherwise, it is what it is. But, you know, a guy like Jay Nivey, like you said, go go get a bucket. Johnny Juzang, go get a bucket. Gonzaga, you have a guy. Throw it on Drew Timmy. Go get a bucket. I mean, they have the guards that also go get a bucket. Villanova doesn't have that. So I think it's those three teams in that top tier for right now. And then everybody else just kind of falls in uh, underneath them. So who, who is Kelly Slater? 
I, sorry, sorry. Brandon Slater, right? <laughs> I, I got the going. I blacked out. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm with you. I would I think I would put Duke and Kansas in that top tier as well. Um I, I but I, I get I get what you're saying. I, I I think with the other teams, those other three teams, you can make an argument for them be them being the number one team in the country right now. I don't think you could do that with Duke and Kansas. So I kind of get what you're saying. I don't think Villanova is that far off. If you give them, I think they need one more guy, right? I think they're one guy away from really kind of being in that conversation. Um, where do you stand on Ashton? Who's your top tier? Uh, yeah, I say Gonzaga, UCLA. Uh, I, I really like Duke as well because of star power also. Uh, but Villanova's right there. I, and the only reason I say that, they're still, uh, their identity you know, with Jay Wright, and they just know how to win. Winners win at the end of the day. I, I feel like they'll find a way to win late into the season. Um, they know who they are. Everybody has a specific role, and they don't get out of that. So um, I feel like they'll just always find themselves making a late run just because of their roles, their their pedigree in general. They've been finding a way to lose down the stretch lately, too. But, hey. yeah, yeah they have. Uh, The <laughs> last thing I will say is that keep an eye on Baylor. Baylor might be awesome again. Keep an eye on them. LJ Cryer is taking a step forward. We haven't even seen Matthew Meyer really get going yet. So, keep keep an eye on this Baylor team. Kendall Brown. Yeah, man. Kendall Brown. I Love that dude. Keep an eye on them. All right. Uh, we got to get out of here. Uh, time's almost up. But before we do, I need your official picks. I need you to get them in now. Carter, you like Gonzaga laying five and a half? Yes. Ashton, got to give me a pick. I'm going Gonzaga. I'm going Gonzaga, man. It's going to be a good game. Drew Timmy, I have Drew Timmy going for 25 and 10 at least. Right, so I'm I'm going against you guys. I'm taking uh, taking UCLA. I'm taking the points. Um, I just think that that's too many points for what's going to end up being a, uh, a one-possession basketball game. Someone's going to hit a game winner again. And if someone's hitting the game winner, then whoever has the five and a half points is going to end up winning. So uh, I will be taking the um, Bruins tomorrow night. But listen, this has been fun for Ashton Gibbs, for Carter Elliott. My name is Rob Dosser, and this was the Field of 68. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.